Hey there, and welcome to the Agency Rockstars podcast. I'm Dana Lindahl, and I'm the founder of LegendaryLeadGen.com, where we help B2B companies become authorities in their industry, set more sales appointments, and convert those appointments into more sales. We also help other agencies sell our patent process on to their own clients. And we truly believe in the value of building and creating relationships, and in that being the main driver of new sales for agencies. So... Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be revealing how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing agency podcasts on the planet. All right, let's get straight into it. All right, rock stars, welcome back to the venue. Welcome back to the show. Uh, My name is Dan, your host for today's episode, for this episode. And joining me on the stage is another rock star. Uh, He is the president and CEO of an agency called Sullivan Perkins, which you look at their website, it says a, a design and advertising firm that uncovers your true message, puts it in the most convincing form and delivers it to the right audience, which at the end of the day, that just sounds way too easy, but uh, but that's okay. We'll find out if that's true, uh, if it's too easy, or if it's just he's that good. His name is Mark Perkins. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Mark, I love how concise that is and how direct. And like, if I owned my own business, I would be so fired up to say, yes, get me to that right audience, right audience with that right message. That sounds amazing. So well done on that copywriting. I'm excited. Can Hopefully it's not not uh, over-promising by too much because I, I would agree with your opening skepticism that easier said than done. <laughs> so <laughs> At times anyway, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Mark, I, I love stories. So you are an agency owner. You're the president and CEO of Sullivan yes. Perkins. Um, how did you get into running an agency? What does that journey look like? Well, I, I would say, uh, and and I, I think if I were to, to take my... Uh, I picture up the screen and put up my my photograph that goes on in some cases, one would see that I haven't had a haircut for since last March. So <laughs> this is not what I normally look like. Uh, <laughs> that's but fair, this that's is fair. this is what I look like in, in uh, the 2020-2021 so far, period. But clearly I have uh, enough gray hair to be able to kind of I'll have to go back a few years to tell you how I got started. And what I would say is that you know, origin, I would say I failed my way into this. Um, I, I have my craft skill, and this is a craft-oriented agency. It is, it is not really a tech-oriented, though obviously we're in the world of tech and we're programming, et cetera, but we are a, a company of designers, writers, uh, highly skilled in those areas. I'm actually a writer by training. Uh, you know, if I had had my uh, professional ambition, I probably would have been Leonard Cohen, uh, because I'm actually more uh, involved in, in poetry and I've published. So at some point, I, uh, and this is, of course, many years ago, I've been running this company since 84, and there is, there is no Sullivan here. It hasn't been for 10-plus uh, years now. Uh, but, but Ron Sullivan was a very gifted designer. But in any case, back to that, that origin, at some point, I uh, could not figure out a way to earn a living as a writer, and bumped into somebody at a party who who was in the advertising business, and I said, I, I think I have to. I was at I was at home working on a novel. I was doing you know those those kinds of creative exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing was really working uh, in terms of providing income, and uh, so I asked and was told, okay, you need to build a portfolio. You need to etc. So I started from zero, and uh, then. Uh, 
called around to the major agencies in Dallas, uh, which are large organizations, one of which uh, was a private company called uh, the Richards Group. And its CEO, Stan Richards, uh, was seeing people every day. The other agencies, of course, you couldn't get in to see anybody hmm. because you weren't talking to an owner. You were talking to somebody in personnel. Um, so I was hired at a place uh, at the design arm of that organization that was run by Ron Sullivan, who hmm. was very, a very gifted designer. And after some years there, Ron and I left to start, and this is in 1984, so that's how how ancient this story is, to start <laughs> Sullivan Perkins. Gotcha. So that, that's how I got in, by accident, I would say. Yeah. When I got that job, it turned out to be a job that was highly coveted. To me, it was a sign of utter failure of having not achieved what I had hoped to achieve as a writer. It was some, And it turned out to be so engaging. And the business turned out to be so engaging, so challenging. Bring as much to it as you can every day. That it was just, it has turned out to be uh, a thrilling surprise. And I, to this day, I understand this is a rambling answer, but I will have people coming out of school. I will have parents ask me their kids are English graduates or whatever. They, they despair of being able to earn a living or so I said, if you are talented there, there absolutely is, uh, there is absolutely fun, exciting, and very profitable, uh, things to do. There is a demand for excellence and talent. So, but that was, that was something I had to discover. It was nothing I dreamed of doing as somebody thinking about their lives as a college student, say. Yeah. It's interesting that in order for an artist to make money, advertising is a great venue where it feels like I've failed. So I have to go get this corporate job and all reality it's a success and it has brought you, it sounds like Mark, yes. some, some great stories and great success. That's incredible. Yeah. Very much so. And I think that's true, too, for my design colleagues, particularly. They're, they're very talented artists. I'm sure they, you know, I mean, in fact, I know they paint, they et cetera. But this is a way to be paid in a business-like fashion with, with in fact, uh, great, great material success also, depending, you know, depending. Yeah. So, yes, very much so. That's the, that's the story probably of a lot of people in our business on the creative side. I think so. So if it was by accident and it was a failure that set you up for success, what yeah. does scaling that business look like over the years? If you're an artist at heart, what do you do to scale and become a, a, a thriving business? Well, that's, I mean, gosh, you know, I know we have a, a, as your audience probably will appreciate it, a 15, 20 minute period. Each of these, we could spend an evening talking about so yeah. so easily. And and I think that, uh, in, and Sullivan Perkins is a, a fairly small firm. Uh, we were at our height, a 40-person creative firm. We were picked by Adweek, one of six top creative groups in the country at one time, when we were the young, hot group, which, of course, is, you know, not today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're still, I mean, I have colleagues here who've been with me for 20 years. So that scaling is relative, but that was a very large organization as a really purely creative group um, uh, in our part of the world in, in Dallas. Um, so the, the issue I would say that this raises more is how do you scale in a world where there's a commodification of these skill sets? And in fact, there's a primacy of, of tech and data where we see companies that are more focused in that space than in the creative services space, having 150 people, because in fact, it's more in demand. And so do you adapt 
to that? Do you try to shape shift over the years to, in essence, serve that market? And I would say that, um, you know, to be direct with, because I understand the audience here are, are, are fellow agency heads or owners, I would say we have not tried to do that. Um, we have tried to stay with what we love doing. And I wouldn't say that's a formula for growth necessarily, mm-hmm. but it, it may be more of a formula for happiness. And, you know, we have built well over $100 million through this little place over the years. I mean, it's not as though we are... Um, there, there is a there is a market for what we do, but it is not a growth focused um, desire anymore. I think that was more characteristic of the first 15, 20 years of this business as sure. it grew to, to 40. And that scaling was was challenging. Yeah. We had to have and I would tell you and I'm going to stop the answer at this point, but that we had to have a client who trusted us to do more than we had ever done before. And we found that in a division of a $5 billion division of Verizon that really propelled our growth when we were handed work that in essence, we didn't have this, we didn't have the human beings to do. Hmm. But the relationship that I had with a person in control of that business was such that she recognized the quality of the organization, the integrity of the human beings, and was willing to let us grow into it. And so we were able to hire. So without that trusting client relationship, we didn't grow. We didn't borrow money. We didn't, in other words, we didn't build it like a tech firm might with private equity money and then essentially operate at a loss. We have never done that. You know, it has all been organic growth, but it relied on the trust of corporate clients to allow us to do that. Yeah. And maybe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mark, but like maybe the courage on your team to be able to play in a league above what you're used to, right? Well, whether it's courage or the commitment to work seven days a week, because you you can't build that team. You know, there is a period of time of intense engagement where you are, in fact, doing the work of the three people who aren't there yet, you know, as you're hiring. So one has to have that willingness to do it. And of course I, ha- I have somewhat workaholic tendencies. So that was not a, that was not a, that was a pleasure for me. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah. yeah. And, when, and when my you... colleagues as well, we had the, we had the right character uh, in, in the people, as I said, I mean, of the people who are here now, more than half of it would be 20 years. So, wow. um, and they had that spirit and that character. Yeah. Those days are love- not, that's not the level of work we're doing today. We are not in that seven day a week rotation. We, we actually would love to be again, but that was what you needed for that period of growth. Yeah. And now I, I like what you said earlier about us and that maybe it isn't about scaling and growing, but it's about finding your happiness. Well, right? um, you know, I think there are two very different ways of looking at this. And I think this is something that if other owners are, are listening, they, they may relate to. That, that sometimes you, one can't tell the difference between is it a failure to adapt because you just don't have the ability to or that you just don't want to, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I think it's some combination, you know, I mean, in a way. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so I don't, I, I, I think I would let others judge whether in our case it was uh, inability or, or stubbornness, you know? <laughs> no, not stubbornness, come on. Well, 
We <laughs> owners never have that problem, right? I'd rather be stubborn <laughs> than incapable. So I, I think that may be the lesser there. damn charge. <laughs> That's know? fair. That's fair. So Mark, um, let's talk a bit about, about pain points then when you, when you are talking about those, uh, those clients that you work with, the people that you serve, what pain points are you seeing right now in, in their worlds? Well, I mean, I, I would say again, and I, I think if we're talking about the environment today in January 21 and the environment post March of 2020, we, we were having, we had a very robust 2019 and beginning of, of uh, 2020, but we were intensely Im- impacted. I know, I know I may be talking to people or hearing this podcast who were not, in fact, whose businesses are stronger mm-hmm. because of the particular client blend that they have, or perhaps because of the kinds of services they had. But, uh, you know, we have seen that our, even our major clients, and I'm say a client like BNSF Railway, which we've had for 15, 20 years. This is a $20 billion company that, that is part of the Berkshire Hathaway. That They are part of that fabric of logistics and shipment and transportation that has been negatively impacted. And correspondingly, we have been negatively impacted. Uh, and so those pain points today, um, you know, again, we have seen clients drop back in, and I'm not speaking of PNSF at this point, but in, in some, some fear and desire to keep their powder dry, um, we were hired by a billion dollar company at the start of this pandemic that had an internal staff that was handling 200 or so trade show events a year as part of their marketing effort. Well, what happened is, that hiring was canceled because their internal staff was completely available uh, because there were no shows. <laughs> right. um, so it, I, th- those client pain points, I mean, how they're selling has changed. The in-person selling has changed and figuring out how to go about um, not simply using digital techniques because people have been doing that for, for a long time now. I think it's more how to close sales that really don't necessarily close, and we are primarily in that B2B space. So it's not, they, they don't typically close without personal uh, selling beyond, mm-hmm. you know, um, beyond simply pushing a button online or ordering something from Amazon. That is not the consumer that we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about a business consumer who needs a relationship with a client service person. I think they. I think there is struggle there, and then correspondingly for us, how do we supply the support materials uh, that might formerly have been left behind in a meeting? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, et cetera. I mean, it's had huge impact, and it has not been figured out, in my opinion. We we have produced. We've had an odd job this year where we have so many clients, and obviously people are in work from home protocol. We have a client that's an international oil company whose, whose staff deals with members of foreign governments. Well, they didn't want to have somebody, um, you know, have that, what is that, Rocky Town, Hockey Town or something signed behind them in, the, in their right, bedroom right, or office right. or whatever it is, as you're seeing behind you. Yep. Um, they didn't want the cat running across. So, so we got asked to develop virtual, branded virtual backgrounds for this uh, international oil company. And we showed that to other clients and 
client after client wanted that. So they were trying to figure out how to corporate, how to brand themselves in an environment where their salespeople essentially were in whatever home environment they were in. So all of those, I think, are, um, I'm not sure that I'm being too terribly responsive to what those pain points are. I think there is confusion about what what to do. And Mm -hmm. I can't say that we know immediately. It's different for each company. Mm-hmm. But I do know that many of the tools that we had used in the past, which had to do with face-to-face selling, uh, that is part of what has been the, uh, you know, that is what has caused pain points for our business, I would say. Sure. Is that and they're how, not in demand. Yeah. And how interesting that you never would have thought five years ago that a branded virtual background would be a thing that you would create as an agency. And, well, yeah, and here we issue, are. Yes. And the issue for it that's interesting to us is that it's a relatively trivial thing to do. I mean, we yeah. would have to do 10,000 of them. You know, in other words, we would have to yeah. essentially set up that sort of tech portal and just be selling these. And of course, that's not our model. Our model is a very concierge-like, um, high-touch model. Yeah, It's not the uh, a, a automated model in any at all. Uh, and yeah. that, so that's that's interesting. To me, and that is, of course, what we've what we've wanted, and we do have those clients. Some of them say in private equity, you know, really enormously wealthy uh, businesses. They want that also. They want to call you on a Sunday night and need something Monday morning, and oh. that is not that is not, um, and, and it's customized. You know, yeah. they want it exactly a certain way. That is that is actually where we find ourselves uh, unchanged, as it were. Gotcha. That level of concierge service and and intelligent, excellent work. Yeah, and and it's and it's they're again interesting is like an overused word I feel like in my vocabulary because I'm so interested in this stuff. I'm so curious about it. But my, it's fascinating that that hasn't gone away necessarily. That high touch concierge need in this world where everything is connected. You said it earlier. You can push a button and order it on Amazon, or you yes. know order a yeah. design on Fiverr or something like that high touch concierge level of people want interaction and they want to be taken care of. Um, well, and, yeah. And, 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 and yet for, and I'm thinking very much of the businesses we serve, this will be a relationship with the CEO or it'll be a relationship with somebody who wants that. But in fact, how they sell, because most of the companies we deal with are dealing with scale. I mean, they are serving national and international audiences. Um, their sales effort, I mean, they want that service for themselves, as it were, but their sales effort, I'm not suggesting that it is a, a craftsman's sales effort. It's not, right. you know, that, and, and so it's just, and so in essence, I mean, I'll give you another example of that. We're, we're, we do, we're serving a new client that is a, about a $600 million in, in revenue. There's part of a multi-billion dollar company and they provide uh, interpretive services uh, you know, for hospital systems, governments, et cetera, translation and interpretive services. Um, you know, that's a business that it, it entirely has to be accessible 24-7 online. And, uh, and, and, and yet, with, and we're crafting messages, landing pages, et cetera. But they also need us to be Salesforce savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do the reporting. So it's not as though we're divorced from the world of large scale marketing that is so tech connected. We're not. I would just say that's an area where 
we need we have competence, but I wouldn't say it's an area where we're better than other people, if I could put it that way. Yeah, I like it's, that it's not it's not why we would be hired. I would say it has more falls into that. We need you to to know this. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I've got, I've got one final question here in just a minute. That's I think going to be really fun to hear from you on. Um, but I want to make sure those listening who are, are enthralled, who love what you're talking about, want to stay connected and find, uh, your agency. Where do you send folks to connect with you and with Sullivan Perkins? Well, I mean, I think the most direct way would be, um, obviously my, my email mark.perkins at sullivanperkins.com. Sullivan Perkins is found at sullivanperkins.com and the info and work at, and those things there all come to me. So, yeah. I mean, Perfect. you know, I will see, yeah, again, this is this is not like contacting Facebook. You know, this is <laughs> we are a smaller scale than that. So it's it's pretty personal uh, gotcha. in that way. And I, and I will get anything that goes to our our website. I won't be the only one who sees it, but I'll, I'll get something very. Uh, I will be on that email and get it. Gotcha. Um, so and cool. And I would tell you, in terms of other other organizations, we're gonna, we have had a number of productive organizations. Uh, uh, associations with people who are in the marketing world. I would tell you that, that to some degree that it has been with the, the SEO and PPC world, but we do that at a very modest level. You know, we had a division of Michael stores where it was a pretty significant effort. That is not something we would do. We, we would find, we would work with another group on that. We actually have somebody we partner with on that. I will tell you where, uh, our most productive relationships have been, have actually been with those agencies that have been more public relations oriented, which is not really our world, where we have found that those groups oftentimes have very warm relationships at senior levels with clients and will bring us to the table, which is of course, you know, the most, the the most delightful thing when you're not looking for that work, but somebody is, is bringing it to you. So that, that's been, and, and of course, in most cases, they will be organizations that do not have the programming design. I mean, they're not staffing those people. Yeah. So that, that's been an example of how we have had kind of close collaborative relationships that we, we respect those relationships and we're brought to the table, which is, of course, you know, that, that's, that's such a big thumbs up from, our, from my point of view as a business owner. But we yeah. also have the opportunity to bring to the table um, I would say in that PPC SEO world, sometimes in the media world, uh, you know, for media planning, those sorts of things, though, by and large, um, uh, we're less involved, quite frankly. We don't earn our living selling, placing media. That, that is not our world. It is really in that craft world that mm-hmm. we exist and you can see that craft on your website at sullivanperkins.com. Again, some great copy on there and, and very cool design. Um, so here's my here's my last question for you, Mark. Uh, is there any advice or anything you've learned over the years or that you've given that seems counterintuitive at first, but then has a major impact once you've embraced it? Well, I needed that question in advance, probably to uh, <laughs> to be like a surprise. Be, Come on, thoughtful <laughs> about as as I should be. Um, you know, I I think that. Um, Boy, counterintuitive advice. Um, you know, I I will tell you that the the dominant advice that I've received over the years, and and I've been through all of this. I've done a lot of reading on it about whether it's 
whether it's the uh, win without pitching, whether it's the, hey, position yourself narrowly, be the firm that only does dental practices, et cetera. I personally, is there was a time in our history where we had the Rouse Company, this is in the 80s. We had we had we were the, the leading provider of marketing services for shopping center developers. You know, we had the Rouse Company out of Columbia, Maryland, which was the premier developer along with Simon. We had DeBartolo. We opened where, where are you physically, by the way? Uh, Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Well, I can't say there was uh, something in Michigan, but we, we opened South Street Seaport in New York and Harbor Place in Baltimore and Bayside in Miami and all around the country. And at a certain point, I told myself if I had to walk into another empty, to-be-developed mall and feign interest, I would just blow my brains out. So we have been that pure generalist firm that has been arrogant enough to believe that we are just better than other people and there will be a market for that. So to me, the counterintuitive advice, because I do believe that that advice that you narrow your focus, you become the agency that you know, that does, uh, you know, plastic surgeons, that's, that's, and you are going to work for every plastic surgeon in the, in the world because you know it better. And then you're just pulling the off the shelf solutions for them. And it's the profit margins are high. I can't deny any of that. I don't know. That is not the life that I want, you know? So gotcha. I would say, I don't think that's counterintuitive. I think it, nothing could be more intuitive than to say, do what you choose to do, you know? Yeah. And, and, and yes, you're going to make some, you're going to give up some financial gain, I suppose. But I would say that uh, we've done very well, you know? So I think if you trust yourself and your ability, I don't think that that other wisdom or even this wisdom that I'm giving you is what you need to be listening to. Yeah. So that's, that would be my take on it. That's a good take. I like that. Mark Perkins, Sullivan Perkins agency, SullivanPerkins.com. And, and Mark, you're on LinkedIn. So you're easy to find there. Um, Mark, thanks for being a part of agency Rockstars, my friend. Enjoy talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Agency Rockstars podcast. If you're an agency owner who would like to appear in this podcast, please visit legendaryleadgen.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you found this episode valuable, I would really appreciate you sharing it on social media. Even just a quick screenshot of the episode showing on your phone shared to social media would be great. If you truly enjoyed the episode, we'd also really love a rating in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dana Lindahl, and if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find more information about everything we're currently doing at legendaryleadgen.com. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you soon.